awesome. And I've got Annika. Thank you so much for joining me. Lovely to meet you. Great to meet you. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking about something which I think every hospitality operator uh, has certainly got an eye on, which is increasing average spend. Um, I certainly think that it's right now something very important because everybody's sort of counting their pennies coming in, counting their pennies going out. So I imagine we're going to have a really engaged listenership with this one, which is super. Just before we get into it, can you just give us sort of 60, 90 seconds on who you are and I guess what your business is, if you don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Annika Wainwright. I'm the co-founder of Two Forks. And we help hospitality businesses really connect with their customers and take them on very deliberate journeys from first-time visitors to return customers to eventually becoming fans and ambassadors of the brand. So we do that by helping hospitality businesses really develop a brand voice that resonates with their customers, identify key messages that really resonate, um, and then applying those at key touch points throughout the customer journey. And one of our favorite things to work on is the menu, which is, you know, probably both the, the, the sort of most interactive part of, of the customer journey that we've got to play with. And there's so much behavioral science stuff that you can pack into a menu. So I get very geeky about that. Um, before we started Two Forks, my co-founder Anna and I were both restaurant critics. We worked for Square Meal, the, the restaurant guide. So we've spent years and years eating out in restaurants, collecting menus. And uh, we got to the stage where we just thought, we don't want, just want to write about restaurants. We actually want to help them um, get better at connecting with their customers and, and creating great experiences for people. So that's where Two Forks came about. And we've been doing that for coming up to 11 years now. Oh, wow. So, Brilliant. yeah, that's Superb. us. So the thing I really loved about this topic when you presented it to me when I asked you what you wanted to talk about was I think it's something which goes under the radar slightly. So we see a lot of customers inside of Pillar track um average spend as a as a kpi lots and lots it's really popular one for obvious reasons but most of the tactics that people use and most of the tactics that we've discussed on this podcast to be honest with you are more about sort of upselling and cross-selling and things that i guess the staff member or the waiter or you know can do and i think often Mm -hmm. especially with the small and mid-sized businesses the menu and maxing out what you can get from the menu um it's just overseen so I'm really, really looking forward to this. Yeah. So I want you to qualify that problem further for me and do a much better job than I have just done. So just take a few minutes to describe like what what are you actually missing out on if you don't if you don't let's say optimize your menu. Well, I think that a menu obviously exists in an ecosystem and it's it's not a, a document that stands on its own and, and it shouldn't do all of the hard work. You know, your team is there to to support and offer guideline, uh, guidance and offer suggestions and interact with the customer. But we all know that uh, teams can be stretched, particularly at busy times. Um, you might have new starters who aren't as comf- confident in that sort of table side uh, recommendations and interactions. And why shouldn't the menu do some of that heavy lifting? for you. And I think particularly when it comes to spend per head, we want to make sure that those things that are really easy wins, like, you know, um, your side orders, your desserts, um, high profits drinks are in prominent positions where uh, your customers can find them and where they get tempted 
by them. So there are, there are things that you can play around with in terms of design and also in terms of the words that you use to describe these things, the signposting, you can highlight things to make them easier to find. Uh, but the strategy, the, the simple play that we talked about uh, for today is essentially just strategies for getting the first drinks order in early. And the simple strategy is, is basically to put a curated drink selection at the top of your menu, where it's the first thing that people see um, and it's going to tempt them to to want to try something other than water. So should we get stuck into that? 100%, yeah. So let, let, let me sort of set this up as a customer's point of view then. So when I go into most places, um, I'll be sat down and I, I will be asked early. It's kind of like common practice, isn't it, to don't want don't want a drink. Can I get you a drink? You know, it's usually framed in that sort of way, isn't it? And that just leaves everything open to me, really. So what, yeah. what's, the, what's the issue with that? So the issue with that is firstly, um, A, before you even start um, offering drinks to your customers, I always recommend that operators take a leaf out of the American service playbook and they greet the customer the minute they sit down with some free tap water, just so that there is a thirst quenching drink on the table. So that thirst isn't the first um thing that comes to mind when you're choosing what to drink because if if we're sitting down as customers and we're really really thirsty and all we want to do is quench that thirst we're going to be thinking of lighter drinks like you know perhaps a refreshing lager or um maybe all we want is water and the 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 perhaps uh, higher profit drinks like cocktails and nice wines are perhaps not going to be at the top of people's minds when when they're really thirsty. So offer offer people a, a drink of water straight away and then make some really nice suggestions of drinks that A, you know, are really popular. Your customers love them so that there's a high chance that other people are going to want to um, are going to enjoy them as well. And B, selecting um drinks that you know you can dish out consistently they're very good um, quality every single time and also that there's something in there for absolutely everyone so just having a little curated selection at the top of the menu um, where you will find something nice non-alcoholic something house-made something you can story tell about and basically something that represents your brand really well um, we recently did the new menus at caravan restaurants where we've actually included a drink selection before you even get to the rest of the menu so there's there's this um, folded design where a little tab sticks out on the right hand side of the menu and we've got a little signpost that says start here and we've got a champagne we've got a sort of nice long um, refreshing sort of fizz type drink with uh, lots of soda water in it we've got the um, the signature house margarita um, and we've got a couple of other cocktails and we've got, because they're really coffee focused, we've also got their espresso martini and their um, all day alcohol free espresso martini. And so people are sort of looking at that before they even start getting stuck into the menu. And you can create a little moment where people are enjoying a drink um, and taking time looking at the menu. Um, and then there's a third reason why you want to be doing this. Um, in behavioral science, we talk about the concept of consistency. There is something about the human brain that makes us hardwired to want to come across as consistent, reliable, steady people. Um, so 
if you um, if you ask someone whether they want the same again, they're much more likely to say yes than if you ask them, what can I get you to drink? So it's strategic framing of questions from the team side. And if you've got someone drinking a high profit, nice housemate, great experience drink from the very off and someone comes and says, same again, um, you're going to be keep keep on serving those great drinks that you know people are going to be enjoying. And also, if you've started perhaps with an alcoholic drink, you're much more likely to then go on to have a, a glass of wine, perhaps, if that's what you're looking to. Obviously, we shouldn't be pushing alcohol on people, but, you know, getting people in the frame of mind to enjoy a drink that isn't water at the start of, uh, of the meal. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I, I took a couple of things from that. So I guess the first thing is if, if I sit down and I'm thirsty, I might just ask for one thing, and that one thing is going to be water. Um, so, that, so trying to get removing that as the option of the thing that they asked me for, because I've already given you the water, so you're not going to ask me for the water. So, what, what else do you want? That's kind of what I took from that, which is great. And yeah. the, the second thing was obviously if I if I start on something a bit more expensive, I'm more likely to continue with something which is more expensive. Really, love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also a nice hospitable gesture to A, offer something for free. I, I know water is just water, but, you know, there's glassware involved and, you know, a nice step of service and a nice greeting. So you're you're welcoming people with a small gift. And then you're also giving in terms of your recommendations. So you're offering something that you know that people are really going to be enjoying and um, having a nice time drinking before they make their menu selection. So how 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 would you uh, I guess this would differ slightly from restaurant to restaurant but how would you um suggest the timings for this should be? So would you would you ask me you know would you as soon as I sit down would you bring water and then would you say what what would you like or would you give me a minute you know what what would you recommend? I would usually suggest that you see people um with you you bring the jug of water as you're seating them down. You're you're welcoming them as you're pouring the drink, um, and then if it depends on your logistics in, t- in terms of where you keep your menus and things. But if you can have your menus and your jug of water at the same time, you pour the water, you give the menu, and you point to that place of the menu where you've got the drink selection. So you, you say something along the lines of, uh, um, you know, welcome, here's a glass of water. If you want um, bottled water, just let me know. Um, if I if I may just point you to, we have a house selection of really great cocktails and non-alcoholic drink selections. Would you like to start with something from um, from this top? Give me give me a shout, and you might leave them to look at the drink selection, or they might be ready to go for it straight away. But trying to create a little moment where they're t- thinking about the drink before they even start looking at the, the food side of the menu. Yeah, yeah, and and then what can you talk, what can you tell us about the way the menu looks? Because I guess that plays a part on it, doesn't it, in, in, in the behavioural science and my perception of what's on the menu. Yes. So studies that we've made around how people engage with the menu suggest that there are definite hot spots and cold spots on menus. Um, So there are certain areas where you want to be putting the things that you um, are really looking to push. So that goes for the drinks and also for other things you might want to be pushing. So generally, in a sort of upside down L shape, the the top strip of the menu and the right hand strip of the menu is your hottest zones. So um, essentially, we start reading from the top left. So your best position for a drink selection would be 
uh, the top left corner because that's where the eye usually tends to um, to start. And then as we move towards the right hand side, you might want to in the top right corner have some um, nibbles suggesting like a sharing platter, an antipasti plate or something that people could nibble on with their drinks before they get stuck into the starters and the mains and the, and the desserts. Um, and then along the right hand side is a really good spot to have any extras like sides or extra sauces or um, other bits and pieces that you might want to be upselling to um, to increase that average spend per head. And if your team knows that anything in that sort of L zone is good for highlighting, they they will be really, uh, they'll be able to very confidently point out which part of the menus um, people should be looking at. So that's also a good idea. The The bottom left corner is often referred to in menu, menu engineering circles as menu Siberia. <laughs> so that's where things go to, to sort of shrivel up and die of cold. And uh, you really don't want to be putting anything in menu Siberia that you're looking to sort of upsell or, or, or sort of get your um, increased spend per head from. So that's a really good place to put your um, sort of information about service charge or calories or special mm. diets, any kind of stuff that sort of needs to be on the menu, but shouldn't really be the the main thing. Um, other hotspots on the menu are sort of the, the first sort of um, bits of copy just underneath any signposting or headline. So like if you have starter, like the headline, start start here or main courses, the, the first and the second things in any list is going to get bigger eyeballs than further down in the list. So you can start um, if there's one main course that has much higher GPs than everything else on the menu, you might want to put that in the first or the second position to sell more of okay. that. So you can work work your menu hotspots but the easy one to remember is that upside down l in the in the top strip and the and the right hand strip those those are safe places to put things yeah okay and just to clarify here your suggestion then is to have this um separate from the rest of your drinks so you would have an, a, your full drinks list deeper into the menu let's say yes absolutely it's it's also really good to to have a separate drinks list so that it can become another moment, another step of service where, you know, the, the waiter can come back and hand over the drinks list and, and say, oh, right, what are we having next? Would you like to continue with this? Like, do you want the same again? Or can I recommend a wine? Or um, try to have those conversations around a new tactile piece of, of, of property that they can play along with. So a separate drinks list is always a good idea. And that could also live on the table. Um, I think a lot of restaurants miss business or they miss opportunities to sell that second or third drink just because the team perhaps is too stretched and they're not looking um, to see that there are empty glasses. And if there is a drinks list on the table, it's something that it's easier to spot a client that's um, or a customer that's um, engaging with a list because they're looking to order something else than someone who's just sort of nursing the last drops at the bottom of a glass. So um, always good to have a drinks list to hand. Yeah. What, what would you say to people who have restaurants where they like to pair food and drinks together? So there, there might be some people listening, um, I don't know, fine dining restaurants or, or whatever, and they might be saying to themselves, well, we actually like to help our customers pair the food and the drinks. How, how, how does that come into play with this? I think that's a great idea. So the the simple play of getting the first drinks order in early is something that anyone can do. And um, if you want to take that one step further, 
customers want to have the best experience that they can in your restaurant. And you are coming from a place of knowledge and experience of what goes with which, uh, which drinks goes with what dishes. And if you can offer that in a confident way so that you know people are going to have a better experience that's fantastic i love a menu that has a wine selection on it because it's really difficult particularly in busy uh, larger dining rooms where you have a, a full team perhaps not every single member of the team is going to be familiar with the drink selection so that there might be a couple who are really great on wines and there might be someone who um, is great with a, a beer matching selection but you you're, you're not always going to be lucky to find that one really enthusiastic member of, of the team to guide you so if the menu can do some of that heavy lifting and I think we quite often default to the way things have always been and you sort of think um, right okay I must pair this main course with um, a nice glass of wine or, or but you know that there could be great opportunities of adding a wine selection and a beer selection and what's the great non-alcoholic selection I think the restaurants that are being really clever with their non-alcoholic range and not defaulting to you know water and canned soft drinks um, are going to be able to increase that spend spend per head because in the same way that you might choose a white wine for a fishy starter and then a nice deep red for a for a meat dish for for the main course um, you're going to want to be making different um, selections in terms of the non-alcoholic drink you might want to try um, a, a tea-based drink with one of those um dishes and you might want to be moving on to a nice sort of light flavored soda of some sort and having a creative non-alcoholic drink selection is a great way of capitalizing on that trend for um, people are drinking less alcohol these days than they than they used to and it doesn't mean that they don't want to have great experiences in terms of flavor combinations and exploring um, new new food and drink matches Mm. We did a great episode actually on uh, promoting non-alcoholic and low alcohol drinks uh, about two or three weeks ago with Michelle. I'll, I'll put a link in, into the uh, show notes of that episode, but that was brilliant. And she was telling us about a study where I think it was Cam Media or it might have been somebody different who estimated that there was a billion pound lost to um, to water basically yeah because that wouldn't surprise yeah. surprise me at all yeah because people wanted to to buy non-alcoholic drinks but there just wasn't enough choice for them basically so they just said i'll have a water it's yeah. crazy yeah that is crazy um so, so yeah. i guess a massive part of this and i think it just needs to be said is training isn't it because you can do this but i think it will only be successful if you can really train your staff on that f first section they've got to really really know that section in depth haven't they have you got any tips for how people can um effectively train them i guess well i think if you follow the, the the sort of simple play of putting a drink selection at the very top of the menu, it's easy to remember because it's right there. And um, it's much easier for, for the team to know that, right, the first thing I'm going to do is point at the top of the menu. That's so much easier than sort of finding the right page on a drinks list or bar menu. So um, that would be the, the number one thing. Um, also engage your team. Like if you have a curated selection of, say, 
four or five drinks at the top of the menu. Make sure that you do regular tastings with your team so that they have tried these drinks and they can speak about them confidently and they can make personal recommendations like this particular margarita is great because it's got a little bit of chili in it or, you know, getting people to talk about actual flavor combinations and from experience, it's going to make the customer feel much more confident that they are being recommended something that um, uh, this other person has had. And again, this is something behavioral science has showed time and time again. We we trust other people. We want recommendations from people. So um, having your teams actually experience these things for themselves, um, you know, offering generous team discounts so that when, when they go out with their friends and family, they come to the restaurant where they work and they have those experiences and they also understand themselves how nice it is to sort of have a, a nice drink and really talk about the menu and, and taking the time over that ordering process and not sort of jumping straight into like, right, what are we eating? Um, what should we drink with that? Actually taking the time to, to, to enjoy the moment and creating an experience, I think is useful. Superb. Brilliant. So let's imagine we've got uh, a listener who, who's listened to this and they've said, you know what, we're going to give this a try. Um, but maybe they just need a little bit more convincing. You mentioned, I think, uh, Caravan was somebody who you've you've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, without going into too much detail on specifics, but can you share some of the success they've they've had from this? Yeah, um, Caravan, I'm still waiting for the testing results from. We uh, recently did a new menu for Rosa's Thai where we've put uh, not just a curated drinks and nibble selection at the top of the menu, but we've also used pictures. So there's a really lovely picture of a delicious looking cocktail. And that cocktail, it's a pineapple cafe lime sour Um I might get the figure slightly wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the percentage lift we had in uptake of that cocktail from putting it at the top was 6.7%, which is pretty huge for um, a, a single menu item on, on, on one, one menu. Um, so um, that's the, the sort of results that you can achieve. Um, uh, we had with Pizza Pilgrims, we did... Um, some clever illustration developments around the um, house drink selection. So they used to have a soft drink selection where these house-made drinks, like they have this delicious uh, peach iced tea that they make in-house. They have a, an Amalfi lemonade that's just a much better experience than any canned soda you can get. And on the old menu, those drinks were just listed in, as part of the soft drink selections. It was, you know... Uh, peach iced tea, Amalfi lime um, soda next to Coca-Cola, Diet Coke, and it just sort of got lost in that selection and it sounded really average. So we changed that to having lovely little illustrations next to the house-made drinks and we signposted it as like house-made drink selection. And the, the sales of those drinks nearly doubled just from wow. creating a little section that wow. people really noticed. So, yeah. That's a significant uh, impact, isn't it, on any business? Wow, mm. brilliant. Superb. Okay, I'm going to leave it there because I want it to be really snappy and um, I'm hoping that people have got enough uh, information to go ahead and, and try this. So, Annika, thank you so much. Um, your LinkedIn bio will be in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out and ask you any more questions, please go into the show notes and you can contact Annika there. And from me, thank you so much. That was brilliant. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. I hope it's useful for Cheers. people. Cheers.